moving and others clapping. So <laughs> um, this is a song just about resting in the Lord. So I thought we'd start with it. His light, you guys know the words, I think. His light showed me shows that we are in washing over us 
is that we're starting from a point of rest. You know, that speaks to the heart more than it does to the body. When your heart's not at rest, nothing else is at rest. When your heart's at rest and your heart's at peace, that's what real rest is. The things that that stir us and and cause us to jump up into action, that cause us to jump up in panic, or the need to labor and travail to bring forth on our own, it's, it's a lack of rest in our hearts. When we begin to see that he's brought us in, like he's been sharing with us last year, he's carried us in, inside of his bosom. Right, Josiah? Inside of his bosom. That he carried us all together. The ones who were heavy with young, gently leading. Carrying the, the little lambs in his arms. Every single one into himself. And there's nothing we can't do. There's no fortified city we can't conquer. There's no problem or issue that we can't look right into the eyes of. And be at peace from the very start. How many of you would like to start a battle at peace, not battle to get to peace? That's the way the Lord is. You don't battle to make it into a point of peace. In the good fight of faith, you start at rest. You begin with peace. That's why you just march around Jericho going, Hallelujah, hallelujah. It is finished. We are in here. And Jericho goes, Stop, stop, stop. Say that you're rejected. Say that you have to do something. Pick up a stone and fight with us. Come on. War, hand-to-hand combat. Strive, fight. And yet the wisdom of God told those people, don't do anything. Don't do anything to those walls. Just walk around them singing the songs of Zion. Just fill that place with the city of peace, Jerusalem. Let Jerusalem's peace fill that place until that stronghold just falls on its own. And see, that's, that's the spirit of the Lord's heart. We all have strongholds. We all have things that feel like battles we can't overcome. And those battles and those strongholds make us want to get up and start working and start toiling. How many of you sometimes go into a panic when you look at those things? Your heart loses its peace and you leave your place of rest in the heart of Jesus. But if we understood his heart, if we understood what he's done, then we're not going to start from a place of warfare or striving. But we're going to start in a place of rest. And you know the beauty that you're feeling right now from the Holy Spirit. It's just a testimony of how beautiful the heart of God is. And how beautiful His way. How beautiful are thy ways, O God. Oh, isn't it just... Even that little sparrow has her place in your temple, in your tabernacles, and she rests. Even the spiders in the king's houses have a little place. You know, our place is in Christ. And it's in Christ because God, of God, are we in Christ. God put us there. And what God has done in his son, let no man put asunder. What God has joined, let no man set apart. He's joined us, one spirit with the Lord. That's not going to break. Jesus isn't going to break in pieces. His heart could break in pieces, but he won't break in pieces because he... Has made us one, and it is settled and sealed. 
And these are the things that the Holy Spirit wants to keep washing over us. Washing and washing and washing all the wrinkles, all the blemishes, all the stains, all the dirt thinking, all the striving and, and unnecessary warfare. He wants to take his bride and say, woman, church, you're mine. I bought you. You're in me. It's settled. Peace, Jerusalem. Thy warfare is accomplished. Come, let us reason together. Though your sin be as scarlet, as white as snow. Because of what he's done. Because of what he's done. Because of his love. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem, the Lord said in Isaiah. Speak comfortably and let her know that she's accepted in the Beloved. And I think that's what Scott and I, you know, from the beginning felt. <clears throat> Let her know that her warfare is accomplished. Let her know she is a city called Peace, Jerusalem. How many people know what Salem means? It means peace. It's a city of peace. How come? How come the bride of Christ is named Peace? Because he's made her one. He's made her one with himself. And he's settled in his heart. You know where all victory comes from? The finished work of Christ. Every last bit of victory, every last piece of fruit, everything comes from that finished place in the heart of Jesus. In the place of everything flows out from resurrection finality, from settledness in the heart of God. And if it doesn't come from there, it's not really spiritual, is it? It has to come from that spiritual place in Christ. Watchman, you said it. Sit, walk, stand. <coughs> sit, walk, stand. This is our year to sit. Not in passivity. Not in justifying things that we should want Jesus to grow in. But to sit in a manner where we're resting in his love and letting all the fullness flow down into us by grace. How does that sound? To your heart. It sounds like waters. So a couple of things we just wanted to start with. Scott had some specific scriptures, but we, we wanted to begin just continuing to saturate like Esther in the spirit of his heart. Continuing to let the words wash us, not just the knowledge and intellectual understanding. And so we're just discussing the heart learning. And, and, you know, when we start from in the beloved, inside of his heart, then there's one thing we need to know about Jesus, about God. And that is that his heart never changes. Everybody say, his heart never changes. His heart never changes. How does that sound? Doesn't that sound like stability? His heart never changes. We're not trying to learn something during these times. We're hearing his heart. And we're letting it wash us. We're letting it wash us. And so there's just a place of rest on the bosom and in the bosom of Jesus that creates an environment in this room, in our hearts, in our lives of learning about Jesus in the right way. In the right way. If we don't start inside of Jesus, there's no, there's nowhere we're going to go. There's nowhere to grow. There's no way to continue. <clears throat> you must abide in Him before He can abide in you. And that abiding is in love. It's a love union. It's a settled love union. 
And so we just want to keep that preeminent spirit over us during these times. We want to let that heartbeat of Jesus resonate through this body. Because that's what the Spirit's been saying to us. We want to continue to receive. Amen. Amen. I was, you know, meditating a little bit on some of the things that, that Ben had shared and um, you know, the Lord on, on Sunday, the Lord, you know, has been speaking to us about, you know, just responding that He wants our hearts, and uh, <clears throat> you know, it's real easy when you hear a message that relates to that to to hear it wrong and, and to allow your focus to be drawn back into the earth, you know. And I think people, I think, you know, everyone here is responding in their hearts to the Lord. And in the last week, you know, we were speaking about about that, about how, um, you know, we can respond out of our heart and allow the mind of Christ to be what flows or what, Governs us from our hearts by faith, or we can you know, respond out of our dark minds. And I was thinking about you know that in relationship to what what Ben was sharing, and and how Aiken, you know, <clears throat> Aiken had a relationship with the Lord. He had a relationship with the Lord. Um, it, Kelly's got her her book here, Living at Eye Level, and it talks about the different levels that we can relate to the Lord at. You know, we can relate to his hand and what we can get from him. We can relate to his mouth, you know, what he speaks to us. We can or we can lift up our eyes and have that eye level relationship where where, you know, which is really the relationship of the bride. Because the bride is not looking well, you know, I mean, unless the bride's a gold digger, which the bride of Christ is not. She's not looking to his hand. And, you know, the bride is, is not just focusing on what the groom says, although surely she does hear, but her, her eyes are on his eyes. And she is relating on that level from her heart. And, um, you know, with Achan, he, he had a relationship with the Lord. He was, he was a part of Israel. He was hearing the word of the Lord. Joshua had just spoken the word of the Lord. He had just told them not to take of the accursed thing. You know, um, so how could he fail when he had just heard that? You know, it wasn't, you know, we hear stuff from the Lord. Anybody ever, you know, had the Lord just speak really clearly to you? And you're like, yeah. And then you just turn around and just fall flat on your face, just exactly what the Lord said. You know, so how, how do we how do we do that? You know, if if you're relating to Him and you can hear from Him, obviously that that doesn't stop you from failing. Hearing hearing His word doesn't stop you from failing. You know, I had the Lord speak to me one time in relationship. To a, a meeting I was going with, going to, and he, he told me very specifically not to do something. 
Okay, in, in this situation, it was a relationship to a, to a person that I, I mean, it was just the clearest, you know, voice of God that you could hear. I mean, it was just like, yes, Lord. And then I got into that situation, and I let my eyes look at the earth and the situation and the circumstance, what was going on and everything, and I just got sucked into it, and I did exactly what the Lord told me not to do. And I just beat myself up after that. I was like, how could I do that? And how could I... I, It's very simple. I was not... My trust was not in the Lord. My eyes were not on the Lord. You remember uh, we had that little activity um, with the kids, with the whipped cream. (laughs) And I was thinking about that. You know, what what were we telling the kids? It's harder to miss the mark when your eyes are on the mark. When you're looking at what you, at your goal, at your you know standards, it's harder to miss it. If I'm looking over here, I'm very you know or down or whatever. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hit the mark. And I just felt like the Lord wanted to remind us that Aiken's downfall was that he was not relating to the Lord. As the bride, he he allowed his eyes to drop to the earth, and he saw the gold, and he saw the silver, and he saw the Babylonian garment, and he began to identify with the earth. Because in that, what what that garment represented? I mean, it was it was something so of the old. I mean, Babylon was so far behind him. I mean, that was like where Abraham came out of. You know, that wasn't even where they. I mean, they were just coming out of. You know. Um, Moab and some of the, you know, some of those they were just coming just right across the Jordan out of the wilderness. They, they had, Israel hadn't been in Babylon since in Abraham he came out, you know. And um, and so how, how how can you let your eyes drop that far? Well, I mean it's really simple. It's it's that you don't you know it's like you begin to sink down and you just keep on going instead of lifting your eyes back up to the Lord you just keep going and uh, <clears throat> you know the Lord the Lord you know has been speaking to us to to lift up our eyes and set our eyes on him and and to believe in him and and, and when when our eyes drop what happens to our faith yeah I mean, that's, I mean, that was so clear with Peter. When his eyes dropped from the mark, his faith failed. And when our eyes, when we allow our eyes to drop from him, you know, and he is the standard, right? You know, I mean, he is, the, the law, the law reminds us of the standard. But he is the standard that God is calling us to. I mean, and, and I... Ephesians 4.13 just says it really clearly. It says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He is the measure. He is the measure. And so, having said all of that, you know, as I was meditating on what Ben said, I, I just... The Lord reminded me, he's had Rahab on my heart um, a lot. And it just all of a sudden hit me as I was looking at Rahab and I was looking at Achan 
that they are right next to each other in the scripture. Like one right after the other. And, it, and, it, and I was looking at that and I thought, God is making a very clear contrast here. He is speaking of, of Rahab, the harlot, okay? The harlot who was... The thing about Jericho that's really interesting is that if you look at when God called Israel to take different places, a lot of times he would allow them to take plunder. But with Jericho, he said, this is an accursed place. You are not to take anything. Everything is to be destroyed. Livestock, everything except the gold and silver, which is to be brought into the treasury of the Lord. This, I mean, he, he said, this is an accursed thing. And um, when he's speaking of Rahab, it said, And the city shall be accursed, even it, and all that are therein to the Lord, only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. You know, and I was just thinking about, you know, much of what the Lord shared with me about Rahab, and how Rahab... Rahab had responded in her heart to the Lord. She responded in her heart to the Lord. She heard about this God of this nation who was mighty and could deliver and could free people that were in bondage. And all of her life she'd been in bondage in this dark city of Jericho, in this accursed city. It says says it was accursed. And she lived in this accursed place, and that was her that was her life, that was her identity. She was a harlot in an accursed place. How, I mean, talk about, can you get any lower? You know, than being a harlot in an accursed place. <laughs> and yet, when she began to respond in her heart, to the Lord, she began to turn and she began to lift her eyes up and hope began to fill her heart. And she began to wonder, can this God who delivers deliver me too? And so when the first contact that she ever had with any of these Israelites, she in her heart joined herself to them. And she brought them in And in becoming one in her heart with them, in the Lord, who is our refuge. She became a refuge. Israel was her refuge, but she was was Israel's refuge at the same time. And that shows that relationship of the bride. That, you know, and so here she is identifying with Israel. And 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 in her heart, responding to the Lord and coming out of this accursed. Well, at the same time, Achan is in Israel, and he is dropping his eyes to the earth and embracing the accursed thing and make, and joining himself to that. And you know, I just saw this this contrast of once again Vashti the dirt mind or the heart the mind of Christ you know because 
Achan was of Israel, right? I mean, he was an Israelite. So how can that happen? Well, it could happen because in the same person, you have Vashti and you have Esther. You have Achan and you have Rahab, you know. And this is, this is Achan and this is Rahab. And, you know, and it's just like the, in the Song of Solomon where the, where the Shulamite says, I'm, I'm comely, I'm dark. I, I, I realize that I'm a harlot. But Lord, I respond to you and to your heart. And I want you. And Rahab, I think, was the great-grandma of... David. David, and in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So, not too shabby. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the evidence that she really became a woman. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She brought forth Christ, she sure did. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, because if you look at a Moabitess, who who Ruth was... Mm-hmm. And she's I, also in there. Right. She was actually the next generation after mm-hmm. after Rahab. You can't go into the temple uh, up to the tenth generation if you're a Mo, if you're a Moabite. Mm-hmm. Well, Rahab wasn't even a Moabite. She was of the accursed city. So think about how many generations that should be. But you, you, how many generations is there between Rahab and, and David? And David is going into the Holy of Holies. Mm-hmm. So that identity that Rahab had once had was completely obliterated. <coughs> and in the same way, the identity that Achan had was completely obliterated with a bunch of stones. <laughs> with a bunch of stones. He was Achan. He was Achan, all right. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't take you on it. But I, you know, I just, I, I was just realizing how many times that in the scriptures it refers to, um, you know, measuring the temple, or you know, and, and in Zechariah it talks about it, in Ezekiel it talks about it. And, um, you know, it's just Christ is the measure that, that we have to measure everything by. You know, and there's a verse that says that we're, we're not wise if we, if we measure ourselves among ourselves. And, uh, and why is that? It's because it's a false measure. That's not the measure. The measure is the, full, the perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what, we're, that's what God wants us to to be setting our eyes on to that measure and coming into that by setting our eyes on him and by believing. And when we see something in us that is aching, we lift, we raise up that stone by faith, which is the application of the cross. And we, we cast that stone and believe that the Lord has put that to death. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just one thing I noticed is that both of them took their families with them. Mm-hmm. Either into as one or to death. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's good. Praise God. And really, their whole nation. <laughs> In a sense, I mean, with with Achan, he became one with Jericho, and so he came to the same end. And with Rahab, she became one with Israel. 
Scott and I were talking about how um, Rahab had the spies come to her house, two men. And um, it says that she took the two men and hid them and thus said, well, she brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with stalks of flax, which she laid in order upon the roof. And um, just thinking about how she took the, the, um, the spies or the representatives from Israel. And I mean, this is kind of silly, but you may find something in it. That she hid them. I mean, let's just pretend that this is the roof of our house. <laughs> and she hid them, you know, up here. And uh, instead of, you know, casting them out or whatever, there was a receiving and a hiding away of the mind of Christ in another, another mind from another place. And just even in, in saturating in the word and uh, allowing the spirit of God to renew our minds, <coughs> we have to take in the word of another. And we have to receive and hide and harbor, you know, in the, roof, in the rooftop what he says. And how many times is it so hard to lay in the arms of Jesus like that Shulamite and have him say, you are undefiled, you're accepted. <coughs> You're hidden in the clefts of the stairs and such. And go, I can't receive that. I can't believe that. I don't see how. I only... And yet, we have to receive the spies. And we have to we have to give them a place in our mind. And we have to let them abide there. And, you know, that's part of being saturated. That's part of the thing the Lord was sharing with us last week. That we want... Uh, we discussed how it's a 12-month process. And we want to keep that... It's been one week, so we're, we're not on 12 months yet. <laughs> we're like, let's keep going, you know. That saturation is just starting. And, and once again, we're receiving another. We're receiving the mind of another. And the word that we're receiving is spirit and life and precious ointments and fragrance. It's, it's living and it's life-giving and it's spirit and life. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. And I was taking a walk, and I, the Holy Spirit just said to me, in the beginning was the Word. And y'all are going, yeah, I've heard that one a thousand times. <laughs> you know, have you ever just seen Jesus in the scripture and said, in the beginning was the Word, dude, in the beginning. And you know, like, we know the scripture. <laughs> what, are you, what are you trying to say? In the Holy Spirit, in the beginning. I sound, I sound like the teachers that said this with John class. In the beginning, like, the beginning was an in. There was an end in the beginning. The beginning was an end. And our beginning is an end. Our beginning is that we're in Christ. We begin in Christ, okay? We begin in. And the end is with. And all that happens before anything comes forth, right? And so she has to say, in the beginning, the spies are coming in the house. And I'm going to begin to identify with the life of another, with the culture, with the mind, with the government, with the spirit, with the way of something that's totally foreign to me, to how I think, to how I process, to how I see, to how I comprehend, that I'm receiving them in my mind. I'm receiving them in my heart. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be a hiding place for the word of God. I'm going to hide the word in my heart. And I'm going to let it remain until I'm, I'm renewed and transformed metamorphosized, brought forth in a new image, conformed to Christ. Hallelujah. Manifestation of the sons of God. (laughs) That happens by saturation. That happens by taking the spies in and hiding them. 
That happens by conforming through the renewing of the washing of the water, the word. Your mind is renewed by that washing. By receiving the good report and spirit and life. By resting in the arms of Jesus and listening to what he says. And listening to what the spirit of God testifies to your inner man is true. You know, we have a lot of things bearing witness around us. You know, we've got crowds of, of, of thoughts and crowds of sense realm and crowds of clutter bearing witness. But we should hear the witness of the Spirit in our heart. God sent the Holy Spirit into our heart that we might bear witness with the truth. That we are the John said, you, you have this anointing in your little children so you might know that you are of God. That you might discern that you're of God. And when Jesus says something to you, your heart bears witness by the Holy Spirit. And you can hold on to that word. And you can know what his mind is. And you can be safe from the evil one. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't that just so good? And keep doing that until you're just saturated and transformed. And that's, that's Rahab did that because she brought forth Christ. She didn't just receive spies. Scriptures. Testimony. Uh, a miracle service, a day of spying. She brought forth the son. So she continued to receive the spies. She continued to abide in. She continued to be of the people of God. And that, that's a process that takes time. And if anyone had to come against enemies, come on, this woman, you know she had some witnesses that said she wasn't of God. You know she had some witnesses in the mirror that said you're not of God. You're of this cursed city. Now she had to keep those spies in her mind. Or she didn't have a chance in a hot place beneath the earth. (laughs) Of making it. I'm just glad y'all listening. <laughs> she just went, oh, man. Yeah, she didn't have a chance. I mean, she's accursed and she's living in a curse. And if she didn't keep those spies and bear witness to what God said was true, she didn't. She would make it. We're no different than Rahab. We don't have a chance of making it if we don't receive the word of another. We don't have a chance of making it if we don't hold on until the change starts happening. We have to begin within. We have to begin with receiving his heart. We have to. In the beginning was the word. Not, not works and fruitfulness. Just, just a place of acceptance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, was, I was just thinking, as Kelly was talking about, she was talking about how you know, we can, the word of the Lord comes to us and we, um, we say, I can't believe that. I can't believe that I'm, that I'm accepted. And you know, it just just all of a sudden hit me that that is the Dharma that that Aiken was hiding beneath his tent. Is that it was that attitude of unbelief, that that old attitude that that he was you know he he, he didn't want the other Israelites to know that he, it was there, but you know that there were times when nobody was looking that he would take that garment out and he would put it on, you know, and he would identify with that. And you know, sometimes we, you know, we, you know, it's like, well, we don't want other people to know that we're we're in unbelief, you know. So, you know, when we're in church or whatever, we'll go praise God, you know, and we'll we'll say say the right words, but but we keep this this unbelief hidden, you know, this garment, 
that is, that is of the old. And, uh, you know, the thing that makes it the most tragic is that covers the treasure. Because it says that, that that garment was under his tent with the treasure underneath, or the silver underneath. It was, it was covering up the, the manifestation of Christ. That treasure that was in the earth was covered up, and um, you know, with with Rahab, it was just the opposite. She was she was taking that garment of, of you know, I mean, if she had not stepped out in faith and, and taken those, I mean, it was faith. She stepped out of the boat. She took those spies into her house at. Could have it would have very well could have cost her her life, could cost her everything, you know. But she chose to, to you know, I mean, like what Kelly was saying. Everything within her was probably saying, "You're a traitor. You're a you're a horrible person for you know betraying your own people." But she was choosing not to identify with those people any longer. She was saying, I want to be one with this people who are of God. And she embraced that identity and she looked, lifted up her eyes and, and she trusted that God would take care of it. The God, you know, I believe in her heart, she said to herself, if God can deliver this people from Egypt and bring them out, in the mighty way that he did and dry up the Jordan River to bring him across that he can keep me and my family <laughs> safe. And, and she trusted him and she stepped out and God delivered her. It's funny because the enemies all have the dread of the Lord on them. I mean, they knew this God was... The people in Jericho all knew that God was awesome, but the Israelites didn't. I mean, they're like believing the bad report is... You know what I'm saying? They're freaking out, and the enemies are going, we surrender. <laughs> you guys got us whooped. And they're like, we're going to die. You know, they're thinking it's terrible. And uh, isn't that awesome that, that well, we're stupid, but God loves us anyway. I don't know what the point is. Just just that our Lord maybe is a lot bigger than we realize. And what we've been brought into is a lot bigger than what we realize. And maybe the enemy sometimes knows more than we do. Well, you know, you know, the, the trumpet, you know, of, that was sounding around that city. You know, the, the, it was bringing terror into the hearts of all the people of Jericho, except the people in Rahab's. Yes, that's right. They were going, "Yeah!" <laughs> it was not judgment. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. The sound of joyful shouting and salvation is in the dwelling of the righteous. Okay. Hmm. Well, does someone have a thought on any of this? Because I could pass these around. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want me to do that. <laughs> I could pass these around, and you do want me to do that. I could pass them both. Do you want me to pass it? <coughs> Wait just a minute. <coughs> Excuse me. 
long time ago, shared with me this about conspiring to go to the war to overthrow the city. And that's what they had to she, she got together with God mm-hmm. and said, oh, that's good. Hey, you know, <laughs> let, you know, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's see this thing just knocked down. All the walls in this city. Amen. Let's see them just all knocked down. And you be the one, oh, the living one, to right. walk through this thing. Mm-hmm. And be victorious over the whole land. Whew. Inspiring together with the Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you do when spies come to your house? There's not a Tupperware meeting. <laughs> 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 That's something. Psalm 33 says, The Lord holds the hands of the nations before the purpose of the Spirit. But the plan of the Lord stands firm forever. The purposes of the child for all the generations. Thus, the information is God is for the people who chose for his inheritance. His eyes go on and those who feed him and those who feed him are fairly long. So we deliver from death and keep the line of family. Beautiful. Because this is the Lord's fault plan for nations. They can't help oxygen, you know, they can't do anything wrong. They can, you know, they can have, you know, we get tried out maneuver the Lord, but they don't have them because they're so cold soulless. They're they turn up and up a mind that they don't understand it yet. And here he says, but he says, but the eyes of those are on those who fear him, the suffers of their love to deliver them to death. But they don't have the size of the Lord, they they're gonna die, you know, and they're just mm-hmm. determined forever. And it's not a, it's a death that says like they're gonna be separated forever. It's also been another death that talked about that they're just gonna go ahead and just, you know, to the mother, why didn't I turn my life over to the Lord? Why didn't I give my life to the Lord? It's total, you know, why didn't I listen? Like the story that the rich, that people, that's the person that's telling right now, says, can I send my son up there to tell him about the Lord? No, if you disobey me. I don't want to have that. I'm a heart that I disobey the Lord for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have that. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I just want to stay stationary and fortify with the Lord in this pilgrimage in this high uh, stop house, you know, up there. And I just, because if you, if you go against God's will, the Bible says that the face of God is to you know, schedule you to evil. But when you see his face like that, you're, you know, you just, mm-hmm. I don't want to have it like that my heart. I also don't want to have my heart that I didn't if I see the Lord living through me. Because, you know, it's the thing that say, well, Steve, I mean, you know, I mean, I will have a heart that wants to pray for y'all like that. He said, thank you for praying for my entire affliction because we're held accountable to our brothers and sisters to the Lord. Those that know him, you know, the Lord, like the Lord is held accountable. Also, we're held accountable to help those in, in the time of need, in time of affliction, here in the time of before the Father, visit that Father's with those sort of things and keep yourself on the bottom of the wall. So I just, but I just, you know, I think the other day, so I've been walking out there, you know, every single day, I think for the cold weather we have, I mean, you know, that's him that's in control of it, and that's not us. That if we control it, we say, you know, we can. You can't be in control. I don't want to have control. I want Jesus to have control. You know, because if I'm in control, then I'm messing up all the time. Da, 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 you know, you know, fuck, fuck. Like that, so, well, but I, just, I don't want to have control. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have control. That's it's a humbleness of heart. You know, that he says it's sacrifice to God, a heart, focus a good heart, spirit, and repair the heart that he never regrets. He never regrets that. So I just, you know, yeah. To just tell them you know, to be set free and just show me that to go to Rome, to go to come to Rome, and go show me it's really good. 
Where does that failure come from? You know, why do we fail? Why do we fail? We fail because <clears throat> we're we're looking in the wrong place. Our eyes are in the wrong place. You know, and I mean, does it mean if our eyes are on Jesus that we're never going to mess up? No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that at all. Because all of us have areas that we struggle with and different things, but if our eyes are on if our eyes are on the measure, on the standard, on the one who is who is our goal, when we fail, we're going to see that measure before you know we're, we're going to we're going to continue to see that measure and we're going to see that it's 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 the revelation of Christ. It's like when you see Him, you see yourself at the same time, and you see that you don't measure up, and. And that's that's what makes you desire to 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 reach that measure. It's not when your eyes drop and you look at yourself, and then you try to what do, what do you do immediately? You try to start justifying by looking at others and go, well, you know, I'm I'm doing better than they are, or you know, and you start using the wrong measure. And so I, I just felt like you know it was really important for us to remember. You know, <clears throat> because I, I felt like what, what Ben shared was really, really good um, and really, really timely. But at the same time, we need to make sure that that we remember what the Lord is speaking to us and and don't drop our eyes. Don't drop our eyes to ourselves because when, when, we, when we can begin to look at our failures instead of looking at the Lord and... And um, and we should be aware of our failures, but we should not look. That should not become our focus, because if if we're looking down, then we're going to continue to sink. Well, Jesus prayed that Peter's faith failed not, yes. not that he failed not. That's right. Yeah. So I think we get mixed up. We are looking at ourselves when we're concerned that we fail not. But, you know, if our eyes are, are fixed on him, then our faith fails not, though we stumble. A righteous man gets up and goes on. And Satan was trying to sift him. 
And that can be a very horrible place. Yeah. And that's that's the that's that will, is what will allow us to pick up that stone in Stone Aiken. Mm-hmm. You know, seriously. I mean, you know, it, and it, it's you know, it's like a, I shared Sunday morning. Um, the Lord showed me that same principle with David. David took took up those five stones to slay the giant. How was he able to do that? Not because he was looking at the giant. I mean, if he was looking at the giant, he'd been running and screaming in fear. Um, like the rest of Israel. But his eyes were on the Lord, and he saw that this giant was already dead because of him, not because of him or him, but because of him. And that was that's the only way we can reckon ourselves dead is if we see ourselves dead in him. Because it's not going to be seen down here. Our death is not in the earth. Our death is in him. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
the failures are going to cease so long as I keep taking this thing. That's right. You know, so. But just, I mean, really what I'm just trying to say is, you know, the wrong attitude towards failures identify with it because that's so easy to do mm-hmm. when you fail. Mm-hmm. You know, just uh, embracing it as who you are, and, you know, because you are responsible for it. But you got to receive his word and and that Babylonian garment was that identity he was he was told I mean what is a garment but you know when it's talking about putting on Christ what does that mean it means we're we're identifying with some a new a completely new identity we're taking on a new identity and and Achan was doing just the opposite he was he was he he had taken something that was as it says in the NIV, which is actually, um, it calls it calls them devoted things, and literally the word means devoted to destruction. And you know that that's what we are—we're devoted to destruction. And, um, and it, but it says it's really interesting the way it puts it in the NIV. It says that they have stolen. Speaking of Israel's sin, as when Achan did that, they have stolen, they have lied, and they have put them, speaking of the devoted things, with their own stuff. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a notification. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And there's no qualifying statement to really explain that, but just to keep on keeping on. And not how many battles do you win, how many times you do the right percentage ratio between that, how many times you do it wrong. You know, um, or whatever, whatever you want to put in there. But so if you're going to, if we're talking success, failure, to the Lord in that passage, success is continuing in the Word, which means not stopping. Yeah. Not like, well, I'm not there yet. I must have missed the point. Or how long do you continue? As long as it takes. It's just as long as it takes. You know, as short as possible, as long as necessary. <laughs> and um, if you want to bring that over into what you guys are sharing about being in the land, you know, one of the things about crossing the Jordan is like warfare becomes a way of life. And that's just the way it's going to be. Because once you cross that Jordan and identify in his death, Everything that doesn't like the death of Christ is going to just react. Okay? And if you think that something that there's consequences to that that's a sign of failure, you just really totally <laughs> 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 all the time. And the fact that you identify in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is the sign that you're on the right track. It's kicking up stuff left and right, and it's going to be dispossessed and driven out. Praise but that God. happens for hundreds of years. Oh. There's total peace. I mean, it's not until Solomon. That there's no warfare. That's right. So, you know, what's failure? It's maybe holding on to something, but if there's a constant in our mind, oh, there's unsettledness in here. Things are giving up. I'm failing. That's just not true. It's just not. As long as you continue, and the way a lot of times most battles are lost is when someone flips out. Like it's psychological. They flip out and run away. But there are stories all through history of little bitty groups, little bitty bands. 
that just refuse to give up. And they're going to be huge armies just because they refuse to quit. Amen. And in the Lord, there's a lot of it in our faith that has to just stick to it this. Mm-hmm. Just perseverance. Just flat out, I hate this. I'm doing awful. But until God tells me to quit, I am not quitting this little bottle until the Holy Spirit says something else. And every single minute can come at me and I can flow it every single time, but I'm not stopping believing the Word of God. You grit your teeth and you just do it. And you don't know when, the, when that push is going to be over. But you have to trust unto death, if you will. You have to trust unto like, I don't know. I'm just continuing. You know, and you do take it. <laughs> I mean, it does, it is overcome, but if I remind you that's a failure situation, then we've kind of set ourselves up to do exactly what you said, just quit. But the continuing will bring us through. And, you know, I used to talk to the Lord this way, and I guess I have to do sometimes, but I say, well, okay, you say continue, then I'm just going to continue, and if I do it wrong for the rest of my life, I'm just going to continue to you feel so sorry for me. <laughs> <laughs> and for so long, you just going to help me know you. <laughs> That's how much I'm choosing to continue. That's my standard of continuing. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'll tell you, it paid off. And not that I know everything in place now, but I'll tell you, there was, it turned a corner for me, personally. But I was just wasn't going to stop continuing. Amen. So the Lord finally felt sorry for you. <laughs> 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 you know, yeah. I was just thinking about that movie, The Last Samurai. I don't know if any of y'all have seen that movie. But Tom Cruise had that kind of an attitude. He was, you know, this guy saw him in a vision as this white tiger that just would not give up. And, uh, you know, I, I remember there was one fight scene where he was fighting this guy. And he had no idea what he was doing. He just kept, the guy kept beating him, and he kept getting up. And the guy kept beating him. I mean, it got to the point where the guy that was beating him was shamed. <laughs> because he just kept hitting him every time he did, and he would not give up. And they didn't understand that mentality. It was oh, like, I remember that, yeah. yeah. I mean, don't you understand that you've lost? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've only lost when I broke my spirit. <laughs> I think it's, you know, you've only lost when you, your spirit's broken. Yes. Because Jesus won. I mean, if you don't think the Lamb of God has taken care of every... Yeah, right. I'm sorry, but you're dishonoring his death. You're doing despite to the Spirit of Grace. If you don't think he can propitiate to the uttermost of sanctification to everything, his, his death has handled it. It's our spirits that get broken. I mean, come on, the ashes of the red heifer are out there for the, the bad boys. And we're all them, the criminals. <laughs> but there's ashes out there, and there's blood, and there's provision, because Jesus became utterly consumed to the nth degree so that everyone could be reached, even those who have gone out side of the way. So it's our spirit that the enemy tries to break. And he tries to break our spirit so we don't receive the word of God and Christ can't grow in us because Christ is the only sanctification in us. We have no holiness, no righteousness, no redemption. And to you, if someone wants to add something to you, take them to the, you know, to make you sanctified. You take them to the book of Galatians and you read to them that it isn't me plus Jesus plus something. That's what the Judaizers tried to do. No, the flesh is cut off. And the new creation is because Jesus has come in and become the fullness and the life. We have to know that. Each and every one of us has to comprehend what this gospel is about. And we have to comprehend it so much that when the enemy comes and tries to break our spirit and tell us that we are failure, that we aren't in Christ, that something is greater than his redemption and his cross, 
we have to be able to look the enemy in the eyes and say, hey, I may be the biggest loser, the biggest failure, the biggest nobody on the planet, but it ain't about me. It's about Jesus and my faith into him is my righteousness and I stand there by grace and I stand there by virtue of his death. And every single one of us has to, to, to know how to stand because every single one of us is going to be tested. And it's not about what other people think and it's not about what you look like in the eyes of men. It's what you look like in the eyes of the Father. To stand before God according to his heart and his son. And there's just a place that, you know, I believe the Bible school and, and this church and everything else is building up in us our holy faith. You know what I mean? Edifying us in that. So we can go into the land and possess things and not get devoured by the beasts and overcome by the things that come up along the journey. And so he's trying to establish us in his love and his covenant and his provision so deeply that we're not going to get shook out of Christ. That we're not going to get shook out of Christ. Is that okay? To not want to get shook out of Christ because that's his heart? Amen. And I think we should pray for each other along those lines. Not judge one another in another way. But after being in Christ, know one another in Christ. And don't try to shake each other out of there. But pray for each other to grow up into him in all things. Amen. Okay. Josiah, did you still have something? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Jennifer, you want to the guitar? Just do air guitar tonight. We enjoy watching that. I just have to tell y'all before I start that this song is mine with the Lord and I haven't ever, I never planned to share it with anybody, but I feel like he wants me to. I have to calm down.
Sarah wrote it's so it goes along with what the Lord's saying tonight. And it can let Sarah be a part of our class. <laughs> the Spirit is willing, the flesh is weak, a heart that loves you. Wicked me for the love of the spirit. 
Just, we just thank you for your faithfulness. Just continue to wash us and, and to allow us to just soak in, in what you're speaking to us, Lord. And just help us to keep our eyes on you, Lord. That standard, the, the, the true measure, the right measure. And Lord, we just... We don't want to be satisfied with with <coughs> failure or, or identify with failure. But we do want to set our eyes on you. And we do want to know you. And we do want your full measure. And, and we, just, we just love you. We thank you. Thank you that, that you have drawn our hearts. And you have ravished our hearts. Lord. And that you wanted to, just to continue to do that, Father. To continue, just help us to continue in that, Father. And that love and that faith and all those things that you've been speaking to us, Lord. And we, Lord, we don't want to let down, Lord, in the sense of allowing our attention or our eyes to be drawn to other places. Just help us to keep on lifting up our eyes, Lord, and keep on getting up, Lord. No matter how many times we fall, seven is the number of completion, Lord. And so when it says seven times, that that, that means we've just done, we've fallen as much as we could that day. But Lord, it's not the number of times that we fall, but the number of times that we get back up and set our eyes back on you. That, that matters to your heart, Father. And we do believe you, Lord. We do trust you. And we thank you, Father. We thank you. And we just desire at this time, Lord, as we go, just to continue just to meditate on you and on your heart. And on and just to relate to you, Father, as a bride. 